0: Welcome back to the TronCast with Tron Jordheim. Glad to have you here. We're going to have some fun today. I'm talking with Howard Berg, and he is the world's fastest reader, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. And I'll have to tell you, I've never had a Guinness World Book of Records record holder on the TronCast. So Howard, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. We're going to have some fun, and we'll help people learn faster as well. Yeah, that
0: that sounds great. I mean, I, I like to think I'm a pretty good reader. And some people say I'm a pretty fast reader. And I, I, I like to think, you know, sometimes I have a tiny bit of a photographic memory, I can I can look at something and kind of hold it in my head. But to be the world's fastest reader, you've, you've got to have some technique and some method that's pretty unique. So you, why don't you share that with us?
1: I was saying, uh, I guess you didn't hear me. I was saying, rather than uh, talk about how I read, I will show them how to read faster if you would like. Oh, I'd love that. Yes. Perfect. That's what I was doing. I'm sorry we got cut off. Um, that's all right. I'd like, after the podcast, get a book, nonfiction preferably, that you've read already or one that's easy for you to understand. I want to make sure the only thing that can confuse you is your speed and not the content of the material. So go to the first chapter of this book where you would definitely understand what you're reading and read for a minute. The way you read, nothing special, just normal reading with a timer. the end of the minute, take a pencil or a pen and put a little mark in the margin where you finish. So we have a measurement. That's how far you read now. Now I'm going to teach you to read faster. Go to the second chapter. Use your hand and go one line at a time and this is important with your eye following your hand as quickly as you could comprehend. So keep speeding up until you can't comprehend. And that's when you know you went too fast. Slow down just enough that your comprehension returns. And for five minutes, go at this pace, which is the fastest speed you could read with your hand with comprehension. Then go back to the first chapter where you initially began testing yourself. Again, test yourself for one minute, but this time use your hand and you're going to blow past that tick mark you made by 20 to 40%. It's that easy to get started. Wow. Well, that would give
0: you a little confidence, wouldn't it, if you had that kind of result quickly? And now for a quick break for a word from one of our sponsors. Thanks. so we were talking about how it's, how it's going to give somebody more confidence to, to use this simple device. To, I think that's pretty fascinating and should give somebody some quick results.
1: That's the whole point. I wanted the solution to be easier than the problem. Many times solutions are harder than the problem they're solving. This time it's not the case. It's very. We did a double-blind study with 100 people using the Nelson Denny, which is a standardized test, not just for speed, but comprehension. We had an A and B test. And to make sure the second test wasn't simpler, so they just looked like they got smarter, we split it two groups. One did A and B and one did B and A. And we did a statistical analysis that showed it did make a difference. Everyone doubled or quadrupled with very, very good comprehension.
0: Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. By that.
1: Thank you. Yeah
0: well because a lot of people are frustrated because they feel like they read slow this would be a great way to give them some confidence to help them read more wouldn't it
1: i'm not interested in reading as much as learning i thought that's i thought that was important to say i don't yeah. like i don't like to read i love to learn it just turns out that reading is like a screwdriver or a saw it's a tool for learning i enjoy, I love that i like the outcome i get when I Can I give you a story about something I did to give an example? Oh, of course. About 10, 15 years ago, my wife wanted to go to Hawaii. And I lectured on cruise ships. And they had a sh- cruise winning all over Hawaii. They didn't want speed reading. I said, what do they want? They said, they want Photoshop. They want photography. And they want video. And I said, I teach that. I didn't know anything about it. But <laughs> I learned very fast. Yeah. The next day... I bought 10 books on Photoshop and read them in three hours. I learned Photoshop. <clears throat> the day after I bought 10 books on photography, I read it in three hours. I learned photography. The next day, I bought 10 books on video. I read it in three hours. I learned video. So I went to the cruise, hoping the people.
0: Yeah. Oh, we had another interruption, Howard. Come back to me. Come back to me, Howard. There. You go. All right, good. So okay. you went so you went to the cruise and you were hoping
1: nobody would was, notice. Nobody would know how to use a camera, and nobody knew what Photoshop was. That was my dream audience. Right. Well, the first, first man walks in, he says, I'm a professional photographer 38 years. I came to learn photography. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> the second nice. guy comes in. Yeah, right. Second guy says, I've been doing Photoshop for five years. I heard you're an expert. My wife's in the front row crying. As they said, if I didn't do it, they'd throw us off the boat. Not in the water, but when we got to shore, and we actually saw someone thrown off the boat, they oh, didn't no. do it. Oh, no. So I taught them for a week. At the end of the week, they said, how many years did you study this to learn all this information? <laughs> I could say learn last week in three hours. That's what I love. Yes, yes. People don't have time. You don't want to spend four years learning Photoshop or photography. You can learn it in three or four hours. And by the way, it's not just me. I had an 84-year-old read three books in three hours. So it's not just that I'm special, but if you do it the right way, a normal person, an 84-year-old person, read two or three books in a couple of hours.
0: So what's the secret to getting the retention and getting the learning piece out of it and not just having a lot of words run through your head?
1: Perfect question, because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. The secret to comprehension, I went to graduate school and the secret to comprehension, it's a word, it's called schema. And rather than define it, I'll demonstrate it and you'll see exactly how it works. I'm going to read to you a passage with no schema and it will make no sense. Okay. Then then I'll read it again, but with a title, one word, and the word has schema. And instantly, everything will make sense. Are you ready? Yes. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home. But you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. It doesn't make a lot of sense right now, does it? Not really. Perfect. Now it will. Here's the title and listen again and watch the difference. Laundry. Laundry. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. How confusing is it now? Not
0: at all, because I can see what you're talking about.
1: Perfect. That schema. So when I'm teaching people, what they used to do in speed reading is speed. It didn't work. People would get very fast, but they wouldn't understand and they wouldn't retain very much. I needed to learn six science courses at the same time. I did a four year psych program in one year of college. I took 36 credits in science with two four hour labs each term with 18 hours a week of part-time work on top of it. I wasn't interested in speeding. I was interested in learning. So I'm teaching people to go quicker and find the schematic clues that make the text make sense. So even at the higher speed, it makes sense. Now, if you'd like, I could actually tell you what they need to look for. Yeah, yeah, because it's, is it, to me,
0: the impression I'm getting is it's kind of like a heat map. If I'm reading fast, the schematic yes. things will pop out or, or turn red in my mind or something like that. So t- tell me how that happens.
1: I love it. I never heard that before. And it's, I, I love, can I use that? <laughs> of course. Of course. Perfect. That's brilliant. You, you really better got use it. Cause
0: it. I'll forget it by the time we get off the phone. So you better use it.
1: So I'm going to tell you what the heat map is looking for. People often say to me, there's too much to learn. I don't know what to look for. Have you ever had that experience, a really thick book? and oh, what, yeah. if I, what if I said, there's only five things you need to look for. Would that help? Uh, I can usually keep track of five fingers, so I'm good. Here are the five things. The first thing you need to find are the new words, the vocabulary. Studies show about 80 to 85% of learning a new skill is learning the words. So what are the words and what do they mean? Now, what words do you look for? They don't look the same. If a writer is doing their job correctly, they're bolded, or italic, colored, glossary. They don't look the same. The writer did something to say, look at this, it's different. So that's the first thing. Right. Second, any names and what they did. Who's in your book? What did they do? What are the words? What are the people? What did they do? Third thing, right. any number, any date, any statistic or formula. How do you use it? Why is it important? It's a very big thing in business is numbers. and statistics. The fourth thing, in most nonfiction books, they have headers and subheaders that divide the topics. What are the five most important concepts in each section? The big takeaways, five big Mm -hmm. takeaways. Mm -hmm. Last thing, any questions and answers. Now, in a textbook, it's common to have questions at the end of a chapter. And I tell people, read that first so you know what you're looking for. You need to know the answers. And in many nonfiction books that don't have questions at the end, they ask questions while they're writing. Any question and answer. So think about this. If you know every word and what it means, every yeah. person and what they did, the, f- yeah. the meaning of every number, date and statistic and how it's used, the five most important ideas in every section and the answers to every question, what else would you need to know?
0: Yeah, I don't know how to apply Nothing. it, I guess. Right. And so that's a different subject. Yeah. Would you like I, to
1: see- I, ahead, I'm sorry.
0: No, no, that's all right. I, that, that makes a ton of sense.
1: Would you like to see an experiment that demonstrates how this would work? Sure. Take a moment. The whole thing is you have a purpose. There's something you're looking for. I want you to look around the room and our listeners look around the room at everything colored blue and memorize it. Because we're going to do a memory quiz right after we do this. Look around the room and picture anything colored blue and memorize it. Just do that for a moment. I'll give you a moment. I'm working on it. Perfect. Now, I want you to close your eyes and I want Mm -hmm. you to remember everything you just looked at that was colored red. What happened? I got nothing. I got nothing. (laughs) Because your brain said, that's not fair. You said blue, right? That's right.
0: Exactly. And what
1: happened, blue things got bigger and brighter and louder and more noticeable and everything else, including red, disappeared. Yeah. When you have a purpose and you're looking for those five things, those things will, like a heat map pop because your brain has that capacity to emphasize things that it's told are relevant right so even though you're going quicker what really matters stands out from what doesn't and now you're actually learning at a higher speed does that make sense oh it's a brilliant device yes thank you I appreciate that yeah
0: that's that's wonderful
1: Thank you again. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Can I tell you, I've had kids. I had a school. We had 11 to 15-year-olds. This is some of the things they accomplished just by doing just by doing what I just described. We had a young man graduate University of Texas, Arlington at 16 with a 4.0, economics major, master's in math at 19 with a 397 GPA, teaching at, Harvard, at Yale now. He's in his early 20s as a professor. Another one was a C student, normal kid, C student. He was 11 years old. When we got done with him, he he was a college professor at 22, an English professor. (laughs) Another one passed the bar at 19 in California. His 16-year-old mm. sister would be the youngest person in history to pass the bar, and his 17-year-old brother, the second youngest, and his 22-year-old brother was an attorney and were and a pilot for Southwest Airlines. <laughs> Using <laughs> what I'm showing you, so and right. of course, I do this with companies as well. Kids use it to learn things in school, and companies use it to stay on top of critical data.
0: Right, because there's so much data out there. If you start combing through it, you just end up falling asleep, right? Without without knowing these, you know, five things to look for, for instance.
1: Right now, information you need to know doubles every six months. Every six months, and the average person only reads about two hundred words a minute. That's why we created all the programs we did to help. I'm just going to let people know if they go to BergLearning.com, and we'll continue. Berg, B-E-R-G, learning.com, and they put in Tron 10. They'll have access to these programs with a 10% discount. And we do have free lessons. We want to encourage them to take the free lessons. And if they need help, they contact the company. And if they can't help them, I will personally help them. I'm a Rotarian. If I can't get them oh. to learn faster, yep. I give them the money back. You shouldn't pay for something you didn't get.
0: Yeah, Rotarians do some great stuff. Thank um, you. I was in Rotary for a number of years and then got, you know, got kind of busy and moved on to some other things, but Rotary does some amazing stuff. Well, Nick- so folks, you heard that Berglearning.com, Tron 10 Berglearning.com.
1: Tron 10. Okay. Oh, say one thing quickly. I, I'm of course. doing, I'm training the wounded warriors in September as a gift. I, I hmm. trained the green berets in uh, about April, and they told me that there's one to three suicides a day amongst these wounded warriors because they can't find work and they don't yep. know what to do. So I said, I could help them. I'll double, yes. their, I'll double their learning rate. I'm doing a full four-hour training with them for free to teach them how to get the skills they need so they won't have to kill themselves. And I'm doing this as part of my rotary function because we, my rotary group's thing this year is helping veterans. So I said, let me do right. that that's that's exactly what
0: i'm doing well that's wonderful and and what a great way to you know see see the possibilities of the future to learn something new or to or to figure out how to learn something new that's that's got to be a great feeling of empowerment for anybody for your 11-year-old kids your wounded warriors or or the frustrated executive who's just overwhelmed with reports that make no sense right so that's wonderful work. And I've lost you again, Howard. Where did, where did the internet go?
1: I'm here. I'm back. Hello, <laughs> I think, hello internet. I think what's You're happening back. is my, when my phone my phone goes into um, passive mode, it's, it's, it's blocking. I'm watching it. Oh, I think that's yeah. what's happening. Because every time I, I swipe the screen, we come back. So I figured out what's going on. Um, okay. That's well, that's happening.
0: just like reading, isn't it? Because your mind goes into passive mode when you <laughs> are not picking stuff up and then everything just you, – you read but don't pick up anything.
1: I just wanted to give them the link for Wounded Warriors. If you know a wounded warrior and you tell them to go to um, howardwarrior.com, they can sign up, no charge. This is just for the Wounded Warriors Howard yep. Warrior. Please don't do this if you're not. We have limited space and we really want to help these young people that gave everything to this country and not have yes. someone else take up one of their seats. Exactly. That's wonderful. Thank Howard you. Warrior, correct? Yes, Dot .com. I set All it right. up and it's there's no charge. It's a full program and I'm doing help these young people because they. my dad had PSTD. He was a Normandy oh Beach, so I know how... how how this affects people and I want to do something to help these people.
0: Yes. And I, and I knew people who came back from Vietnam, very, very, very different men. So it's, it's amazing to do help that you can help these folks.
1: That's what we're here for. We're here to help people.
0: Yep. So how can we use some of the things you're talking about to write better? So what we write, is comprehended better and we're getting our point across? Because I do a lot of writing and sometimes I feel like I'm just talking and I don't know that people always pick up what I hope they're picking up. So
1: can I use these same devices to write better? I'll answer that in two parts because it's two parts to it. First, yes, and how to do it. And then I'll talk about how you can use what I told you and then add some additional... Material that will help even more if that's okay. Of course. When you're writing or communicating with a prospect or a client, you have to use words that have meaning in their schema, in their map, in their understanding. If you use a word like SEO, I know what it means. You know what it means. But there are a lot of people who don't. So we have to use words that make sense to the people we're working with, not just to us. And so that's important. Here's a trick you can use when you use a word that might be misinterpreted. Uh, put a comma after the word and then define it. It's called a positive. That's the technical term. So I'll give you an example. Um, if I said an Agilius phoeniceus, comma, a red-winged blackbird, I'm telling you what an Agilius Phoeniciaus is. So if I'm talking, if I use a word like Aegilius Phoeniciaus, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. If I tell you a red-winged blackbird, you pretty much picture one. Sure. Both words are the same thing, but one word makes sense to everybody, and one word only makes sense to a biologist who studied or of birds. So when we're writing, we want to make sure if we're using words that may not make sense to the general public, we put a comma after the word and then tell people what that word meant so it means something to them and not just to you. That's important. Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: That's a great, that's a a great help. What what other things can we do to, to
1: be more understood? Well, I thought I would describe writing in general, how to eliminate writer's block first, what causes it and how to get rid of it. Is that help? Oh yes. There are two primary causes for writer's block right now. What are you and I doing literally right now? What are we doing? We're having a conversation. Thank you. We're talking in a conversation. That's how we normally express ourselves, by talking. We use words. When we write, we use our hands and we use letters. We're either typing letters on a keyboard or writing letters with a pen or a pencil. But we're not using words, we're using letters. It's a very different way of expressing your ideas. Switching from talking to using the hands and writing letters does not happen spontaneously. And so many people will stare at their screen or at the blank pad, struggling to get their hand to start moving to do something. Right. But The the funny part is, once you start, it's easy to keep going. Once the switch is thrown and the information is flowing through your hands and not your mouth, the phone rings, you keep writing. The TV's on, you keep writing. Initially, you couldn't do anything, and now it's Effortless, that makes sense, it does. The second problem is a conflict. There are two parts of our brain. One part, the left brain, predominantly is involved in editing. (laughs) That's the spell checking, the grammar, the agreement. The right brain is predominantly involved with the story, telling what you want to say. See if you can relate to this and if our audience can relate to this. You write 10, 15, 20 lines. And then you stop and you look at it. You say, this is terrible, and you hit the delete key. Does that ever happen? Oh, sure. That's where you get blocked. You're trying to write and edit at the same time. It's very, very inefficient. Here's what I do. I have a program. I show them how to create a very good structure with their left brain, and then write the story sloppily, a D or a C minus. It's not well-written. It's terrible. But it's all the ideas that you want to talk about put down on paper. Don't critique it. Don't spell check it. Don't criticize it. Just keep writing. After you've done, go back after a break and use your left brain and edit it to an A level. Fix the grammar. Fix the spelling. Fix the words that don't fit. Make it perfect up to an A. If you do it in two steps, first, get the ideas out and then perfect them when you're done, you'll complete your writing in a fraction of the time with better outcome. And again, I created an entire program just on how that's done step by
0: step. That makes sense. And and I know people who like to use voice to text who will who will. Yeah talk that what they want to communicate in writing as if they're talking to someone and then go back and edit it later. So that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? That idea of get the idea out there, get the general yes. picture painted, and then go back and fix your lines and clean it up.
1: And actually, that is a good way to do a first draft for me. So I, I type quickly. I can type about 125 words a minute. So I can keep up with my flow. Many people, right. they type... They type slower than they think. Right. So what's happening is their mind is like three paragraphs ahead of where they are, and they start forgetting what they want to say.
0: Right. And I think that happens to a lot of people. So interesting.
1: And that's why recording it eliminates the problem. And then you can transcribe it. I'll give you a fast way to transcribe it. Um, Inside of Google, there's Google Docs. And Google Docs will translate what you say. So record what you want to write and then put the recorder next to a microphone and play it back while you're in Google docs and Google docs will translate your recording into text with a very high level of accuracy. Well, that's a simple way
0: to do it. I, I use a a speech to text app. That's pretty good, but that's a good, that's a good way to do it too. I like that. I'll try that next time.
1: Please do. And of course you'll have to clean it up because we don't always speak with full sentences. When we write, it's full sentences. Well, we often use one or two words or in- grammatically incorrect phrases that make total sense to the other person, but would look incorrect in writing. And that's what right. we're looking for. Exactly. And that makes it so easy to fix it after it's done. And I always tell people, take a break. Because what you wrote seemed right when you wrote it, and it's going to seem right immediately after you wrote it also. But after you've had a little time... I I look at it as if a student or someone wrote this and I have to grade it. Yeah, and It's not my writing. It's someone else's writing. I'm being asked to edit someone else, not me. So I'm not looking at it as a personal thing. I'm looking at it as a third party. And now I can be more objective about my critiquing of what I wrote because it's not my writing. I'm just editing what someone wrote.
0: That's a great approach.
1: And it That's, gives you more yeah.
0: objectivity. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Oh, I like that. Thank you. Well, we, well, we've covered some really great stuff. So how to increase your speed, how to really increase your retention, comprehension, how to communicate better when you're the one on the page for other people to read. Um, that's a, a lot of good stuff to cover. And I And I hope people listening will go back and listen to this again and make some notes and put some of this into practice because we all are looking at information all the time and a lot of times it just you know it sounds like the parents in charlie brown right blah 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 blah. right, right. and and I, and I think if we took a different approach to it we could catch the nuggets better so
1: how about remembering them would you like to see how to have a brilliant memory
0: i would love to have a brilliant memory tell me about that howard
1: People often say to me, you read fast. What do you remember? I remember a lot. I'm going to teach you one of many strategies. And when we're doing it, here's something a little bonus. You only remember 10% of what you read, but 90% of what you say and do. So I'm going to have you say and do with me and our audience. This isn't just an exercise. This is a tool. And after I'm done teaching you this tool i'll show you how to use it every day in business and how your kids can use it in school is that fair oh yes here are 10 things i want you to remember you won't be able to because you don't know how and then i'll show you how and you'll be able to are you ready yep you want to remember pole shoes (laughs) tricycle car glove gun dice skate cat and bowling pins do you know all 10 things backwards and forwards
0: no way. You lost me at about five or six.
1: Then that's the norm. Now I'm going to show you not only how to remember them, but you will effortlessly remember these forwards and backwards with no effort. Are you ready? Yes. The Greeks discovered this technique thousands of years ago. If you have a list that you know and you link it to the list you're trying to learn, it takes less time. Tron, I'm going to bet... You can count to 10. Am I, am I on safe ground here? <laughs> you,
0: you, can, you can proceed with confidence.
1: And I'm hoping our audience is in the same state of learning. They can count to 10. I'm sure of it. We're going to use those 10 numbers to learn 10 things super fast. Are you ready? Yep. The number one, it looks like a pole, a big, tall one, like a lamp pole. Is that correct? Yep. What's one? Pole. He just did it. Perfect. Two. How many shoes are you wearing? Uh, two. What's two? Shoes. What's one? Pole. Three. How many wheels are on a tricycle? Three. Three is tricycle. What's three? Tricycle. Two. Shoes. Uh, one. Pole. See how easy this is? We're going to keep going. It's going to be super easy. Four. A Car. How many tires are on a car? Four. What's four? Car. Two. Shoes. One.
0: Pole. Three. Tricycle.
1: Jumping all over the map, it makes no difference because your brain can do this. Five. How many fingers are in a glove? Five. So five is glove. What's five? Five is glove. Five is glove. What was three? Tricycle. One. Pole. He went backwards. Six. They love guns in Texas. The old cowboy gun, six gun. What's six? It's a gun. What was four?
0: Four is a
1: car. Two. Two is shoes. Perfect. Seven is dice. It's a lucky number on the first throw. Seven is dice. What's seven? Dice. What was five?
0: Five is... uh...
1: Picture your hand.
0: Oh, yeah. The glove, sure.
1: That's how I do this. It'll it'll lock in. Yeah.
0: Three is a tricycle, and one is the pole. Yeah.
1: yeah. Next, next thing we want to look at is eight skate rhymes work. What's eight?
0: Uh, eight skate. What was six? What did they love in Texas? Six is the gun. Four. Four is the car. Two. Two is shoes.
1: Went backwards. Nine. How many lives does a cat have? Nine. What's nine? Is the cat. What was seven lucky in?
0: Seven's dice. Five? Uh, five was the glove.
1: See, now you're remembering it. Three. Mm-hmm.
0: Three's the tricycle.
1: One. It's the pole. Last one, ten. How many bowling pins are in an alley? I'm guessing ten. You got it. Good guess. <laughs> so what's ten? <10?
0: laughs> yes. Bully pins.
1: Perfect. Let's do the ten numbers together and I'll show you how to use them. One. A pole. Two. Shoes. Three.
0: Tricycle. Four. Car. Five. Glove. Six. The gun. Seven. Dice. Eight. Skate. Nine.
1: Cat. And ten
0: bowling pins
1: you just memorize what you couldn't do now this is a tool and i'm going to show you how to use it would that help yes one of the hardest things to remember are numbers because they don't have meaning to most people imagine you're in a hotel and the room number is three one four a lot of us travel in business and we get we forget the room because we're in so many hotels they all look the same after a while yeah i turn the number into a picture Three is a tricycle, one is a pole, four is a car. Imagine a tricycle hits a pole on a car. Can you picture that, a tricycle? Yes. Okay, tricycle, what number? Uh, Three. It's a pole. One. On a car. That's four. That's your hotel room. It's also the value of pi in geometry for measuring circles. So you can use this in science and math in school and for history yeah. dates and business, due dates, percentages, room numbers, phone numbers, product SKU numbers. Now you know how to memorize numbers.
0: That's great. That's great. So I, I, I taught myself a different device just because I make a lot of phone calls. So if my room was 314, I'd know that's the area code for St. Louis. So, you know, silly, things come, to you, right? Right? Oh, so silly things come to you, right? right? Silly things come to you.
1: Let's say it was two one four. It's Valentine. It's, it's Valentine's Day. So it's like uh, you and
0: and that's and <laughs> yeah, that's the area code for Austin, Texas. It's
1: actually it's actually Dallas.
0: I, I, Dallas, I, sorry, sorry. Dallas. Okay. I live here.
1: That's what I know. Otherwise, I wouldn't know. <laughs> the only reason I can say you wrong is because I'm here. <laughs> and it's my phone number, so I know. That's
0: funny.
1: That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So that's memory. Now, there's another big skill. And I, I want to talk in terms of business, but people tell you something and you've got people tell you something you needed to do. By the time you got home, how often did you forget what they told you and it didn't work?
0: Oh, it happens.
1: What if they not only told you what you needed to know, but how to remember it when you needed to use it? Wouldn't that help? That would be all right. Why isn't anyone doing that? I don't know. Uh,
0: I don't know. Because they, f- they, remi- they forgot to remind himself to do it
1: or something. Because no one tells them to do it. And it's something they should all be doing in business. Don't just tell people what they need to know. Tell them how to know it when they need to know it. That makes sense.
0: That makes sense.
1: And there's another skill, if it's okay, which is emotional intelligence, which plays a critical role in success. May I tell you a little about it? Of course. I'm going to pretend I'm teaching you to drive. And I tell you, oh, Tron, you're great. You're ready to pass the road test. Go make your appointment. Say, great. You go make your appointment. And I say, how'd you do He said, I failed. How could you fail? You know how to drive. I got nervous. It was a test. Does anyone, can you relate to that? I got nervous. Of course. That's social intelligence. The ability Mm -hmm. to stay focused. That's why I trained the Green Berets. I said, you guys know everything you need to know to survive under fire. But if you get scared or nervous, you won't remember it, and you'll get killed. I'm going to show you how to stay in the right state so you can use what you learn, not get killed. And that's what I did with the Royal Thai Army in Bangkok. So imagine now, instead of just teaching you how to drive, I also taught you how to stay calm during the test. How many more students would finish the test successfully? Oh, triple the number. Would you like to see how to change an emotional state so you'd see how it can be done?
0: I would love to.
1: I'm going to show you and our audience listening how to create energy, how to wake up. So if you're in a business meeting, you start getting tired, and you can't get up to have coffee. Wake up. You're in a classroom and it's boring how to wake up or a test for your kids like a SAT. Or you're driving in traffic and you're getting tired. How to wake up. Would that be helpful?
0: It sure would be.
1: I'd like everyone to stand. Tron, you may not want to stand because you have a microphone, but everyone listening, please stand. And I'm going to show you how to create the state of being awake. I'm going to ask a quick question. Tron, the left side of the brain, do you know which part of the body the left side of the brain controls?
0: Uh, The right side.
1: That's right. And then the right side controls? The left side. We're going to do an exercise that uses both sides of your brain. I want you to take your hand on the left side and touch your right shoulder, and then yep. take your hand on the right side and touch your left shoulder, and alternate like the Macarena. Left to yep. right, right to left, left to right. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You're using both sides of your brain alternating. Now we're going to do both at the same time. If you're standing, take your left hand, touch your right knee, and then your right hand and touch your left knee, and alternate. you see, you have to think a little, because yep. one part of your brain is with your knee, and one part's working with the hand. Yeah. Now raise your hand up in the air, your right hand, and squeeze your thumb and say this like you truly feel it. I feel
0: great. Yes, say I it. I feel great. I feel great. Yes. I feel great.
1: Yes. And pull your hand down to your side as you say it. I feel great. Yes, as you say yes. Feel great. Pull your hand yes. down. I
0: perfect. feel great.
1: Yes. We're gonna I feel do three great. sets yes. perfect. Perfect. We're gonna do three sets of these. When you're done, I'm going to show you how to use this in business and school. Are you ready? Yep. Go at my pace. First, the shoulder taps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now, the knee taps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. How do you feel? Better. I feel great. (laughs) I feel great. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll do it again. A little faster. And you do feel a little better because you're moving. We're going to go a little faster this time. Ready? Shoulder taps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Knee taps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. How do you feel? I feel great. Yes. Perfect. Last one. As fast as you can possibly go. Watch your knees. Don't bang anything. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And now do your knees. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. How do you feel? Great. I feel great. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Sit down, smile, and feel great. You know what happens when you do this three times? You do. Reset your energy. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. You have moved. Would you like like to know how to make it actually work? Sure. Remember Pavlov? He rang a bell. He fed a dog. He rang a bell. He fed a dog. Eventually, the dog drooled when he rang the bell. You don't want to ring a bell and drool, but every time you do this, you feel a little more awake because you moved. And yeah. when you felt more awake, you squeezed your thumb and said, I feel great, yes. Studies yeah. show habits take 90 days, not 30 days to form. So if you do this every day, slow, medium, fast for 90 days, now you're in an important meeting. You don't want to tap your shoulders, you'll look strange. But you squeeze your thumb and say, I feel great, yes, to yourself. And you'll feel the way you did every time you did this drill, more awake. And you, yeah. can, and you can wake up during the test. Wake up. During a meeting, wake up in traffic. The kids can wake up when they're taking a standardized test. And in the same way, we can teach people to relax and trigger it when they need it so they're not nervous. We can teach them to focus and concentrate. And that's what I'm doing in my programs at birdlearning.com. That's wonderful. Well, everybody, you
0: need to go to birdlearning.com because you are going to learn a lot. Howard, you have some some wonderful methods and techniques to... Oh, just want to say, use TronCast10.
1: Remember to use TronCast10. TronCast. TronCast10. TronCast10. So they get 10% 10. off. And there are free lessons. So before you even buy, you'll be able to test it and see how it works.
0: Yep. And how do you remember 10? It's the bowling pins. So there you go. Yes.
1: Also, (laughs) when we're doing numbers, I make the 10 to 0 because we need 0 to 9. So I make the zero as the 10 bowling pins, but you can
0: use it as a 10. All right. Excellent. Excellent. That is wonderful. Howard, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It's been a blast. I've learned a lot. And uh, I have some studying to do to, to master some of these techniques. And
1: and I hope our listeners will do the same. I'm going to set you up online at the full program, Tron, as a gift. And you will read 100% faster with outstanding comprehension. You'll eliminate writer's block. You'll know how to remember anything you need to know and do math in your head super fast.
0: That's fantastic. I can't wait to do it and, uh, and to share my successes with everybody so they'll go take advantage of your program as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today, Howard. It's been great, and I look forward to mastering some of these techniques.
1: You'll look, it's easy and it's fun. That's also important. I want it to be fun because no one wants to have to work. They want to do something that makes them feel good.
0: Well, and nothing leads to learning better than a few giggles, right? So exactly. I'm with you on that.
1: Thanks I'm so much. I'm with
0: you on that. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Troncast. And as soon as you're done, head over to berglearning.com. Thanks again, Howard. B-E-R-G.
1: B-E-R-G, not B-U-R-G. B-E-R-G. You got it. Thank you. Thank you, Howard. Hope to talk to you again soon. I'd like that. We can talk about how to be a genius next time.
0: We could all use that, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm, I'm with you. Thanks, Howard. Take care. Take care. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm going to go ahead and take a break for a commercial message here. And hopefully you don't mind listening to that and help me pay the bills. And then after that, we'll come back and walk a little more and have a little more quiet. So I hope a little bit of quiet is doing you good. Thanks for listening. Why did I develop a sales training game? Well, I've been training people for ages. I first started training people probably, I guess, when I was in high school, when I was uh, teaching guitar lessons. So that was fun. What I used to do was uh, I'd take the very beginning students and I'd work with them until I probably got to the end of my capabilities and then if they were interested in moving forward I'd turn them over to my guitar teacher who would then take them from there. That way he had a steady stream of sort of intermediate students that he could start working with and do fun and interesting things with them rather than just teaching them you know here's how you pluck a chord here's a C, a G, a D or whatever. Uh, and it worked out great for me because he would pass people on to me to start them uh, when people contacted him. So I had a steady stream of business coming in, and uh, it was really pretty fun. I mean, I'm no great musician, actually. Some people would say I'm a pretty lousy musician, but I love it, and I loved it a lot even more then. And uh, it was fun to take uh, people who'd never played guitar before and get them, you know, strumming out some basic songs, and doing some basic little picking routines, and things like that, so they could, you know, do at least some fun songs, like, uh, you know, House of the Rising Sun, and um, uh, Take Me Home Country Roads, uh, you know, whatever, it was pretty fun, anyway, so I've been training with people for a long time, and It's a lot easier training people when they're doing something that they enjoy and they're doing for themselves, like learning to play the guitar. And then I taught people for a long time how to work with dogs, how to train dogs, how to handle dogs. Uh, I probably did that, gosh, I don't know how many years, 15 years, 20 years probably. And that was a lot of fun too, because people had some motivation to learn how to train their dog or handle their dog because they enjoyed working with their dog or they liked being outside or whatever it was. So it's a little weird with sales and customer service training that people are often resistant to sales and customer service training because if you get decent training as a salesperson, you make more sales, you feel better about yourself because you're being more successful, you make more money because either you make more commissions or you qualify for uh, salary increases or whatever. And if you're a customer service person and you have good training... Well, you think that would be self-motivating because then when people yell at you, you can calm them down and turn those into pleasant conversations. Or when people have problems, you're more efficient at helping them. Uh, It's easier to direct them to the right place so they get what they need. Because it's hard to be a customer service person if you're not driven by the desire to help people and help them figure out their stuff. So it's weird that so many times sales and customer service people are resistant to training. So I've worked on all sorts of programs and you know if you go to mysolvingsales.com, you can basically see my catalog of sales training stuff built out as a self-driven, self-motivated set of journeys you can go on for sales mastery, and that's that's all good. Uh, I've set up lots of different sales programs where the mission might have been to learn s- something simple like, here's one new phrase you should master because it really works well in a certain condition that comes up quite a bit. Or here's another way to, to uh, frame your offering because uh, sometimes the way you've been framing it isn't exactly working, right? So those kinds of things fairly specific work well. But one thing that's hard to do is to um, is to duplicate or mimic the competition, the emotional ups and downs, the, the unpredictable nature of sales and customer service, uh, and do it in a fun way. I mean, you can role play with people and throw all kinds of things at them. But when you're role playing, it's very hard to be authentic because, you know, you're if you're the person pretending to be the customer or the prospect, it's very hard for you to be natural in your responses because you're trying to role-play out responses. And when you're the person who's uh, working as the employee in a role-playing situation, it's tough to be really natural too because you're trying to to work on whatever technique or phraseology you're supposed to be working on, um, but you also don't want to you know, come across as doing it wrong with the trainer. Um, so, maybe part of the challenge is to do more role playing so people get comfortable with it. I, I try to phrase that or frame that with people as what happens with actors when they're working on lines for a, a play or a show or a movie or whatever, because in in many respects, It's the same thing. We're putting on a little show for our customers. And yes, there's always a lot of improvisation and some unpredictability. But we kind of know what the scene looks like. We know pretty much the only two, three, four ways that scene is going to resolve itself. So why not practice scripting? I mean, we call it scripting in sales and customer service. So why not practice it as if it were scripting and practice the script until you get the motivation of the line right and the phrasing of the line and the pacing and the tone and all that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, I, I try to work on that with people when, when I'm working on retention exercises because being able to retain good training is difficult too. So I mean, you can take the phrase, sure, I can help you with that, and you can deliver that 14 different ways. And really, until you've really perfected that, doing it maybe three, four, five different ways, it doesn't always roll off of your tongue in the smoothest way possible. And sometimes it sounds a little canned with people. But if you practice your, sure, I could help you with that, in many different ways, in many different tones, then you can can customize it, uh, smooth it out uh, for any kind of customer you're talking to under any kind of circumstance and it becomes a great answer for just about anything somebody's going to ask you. So that's a long way for me to come around to say why I developed a sales training game. Because when you play a game, especially if it has a few little hints of role-playing elements or fantasy or something like that, you do remove yourself a little bit from your normal self, right? So you kind of you remove yourself from your I'm the sales trainee, I'm the sales trainer kind of role that you feel like you're in. When you're doing a team-building exercise or a training exercise with your team, and you step outside of that a little bit and you lighten up a little bit and your inhibitions come down a little bit and you're you're able to laugh at yourself and your friends and and then when you twist a little bit of competition into the game and add some silly elements and add some unpredictable things that either make you happy as a as a player or make you frustrated as a player then you can really start to, to mimic some of the real things that happen in the sales or customer service interaction when you know you think you think you're having a good interaction with someone and all of a sudden it goes off the rails or someone comes uh, to you with uh, something you're not sure how to handle or they come at you in an aggressive way or whatever they do that kind of throws you off your game to start with, uh, it allows you then to start recovering and get things back on track. So I think it's great. And if you're not playing some kind of games with people that are actually, you know, games, not just, you know, pull a name from the hat and that's the name we'll use in the next role play, but, you know, game, game kind of things. I think you're gonna have a lot more success doing it. I know it's, it's helped me a lot in being able to deliver training to people. And it really helps the people involved in the games a lot because they walk away feeling a sense of satisfaction and joy that you don't often get in a team building environment or a sales or customer service environment. You don't often walk away going, yeah, that felt pretty good, that was fun, I like that and then have some power to move forward and improve what you're doing. So anyway, that's my story and I'm sticking to it on why I developed a sales training game and why you should probably go out and find some fun, silly ways of delivering the training that you're trying to deliver too. Even if it's not sales or customer service training, I mean, there's a bazillion things people need to learn how to do and have some fun with it build it into some silly game kind of things and go for it. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Troncast. Thanks for supporting the Troncast and uh, take care. Bye.